Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome to episode 79. We're one away from 80. This is WFS, the Will Ford Show. The start of preseason right now. We just finished week one of preseason. Uh, we're three weeks, we're three, four weeks away from the start of the NFL season. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the uh, Antonio Brown uh, issue with his helmet and him possibly retiring over it. Um, Dak Prescott return, uh, ref- refusing uh, a $30 million contract, turning that down. Um, we're going to do some NFL record predictions uh, and you know, talk about some breakout players that I feel like are going to have pretty strong years um, in the NFL this coming season. So to start things off, um, we'll start the show today with the Antonio Brown uh, helmet issue. Um, and as we all know, the NFL has um, taken huge strides in trying to protect players, especially in the head and neck area, because we've uh, had issues with um, former gener- or generations of players in the past having issues with uh, CTE uh, and things like that, brain issues, concussions. Um, the NFL was, was in denial about CTE and concussions and things like that for a long time, way back. Um, but now they've made huge strides in protecting players, um, especially with the helmets. And so the NFL ha- has now got this long-standing policy um, that requires players to wear helmets that have been um, basically certified uh, to be used um, and, and they're safe. Um, and so basically this policy is that the NFL won't allow players to use helmets that are more than 10 years old. And so Antonio Brown's helmet was just discontinued because I believe it just hit that 10-year mark. Um, and so the rule states that once a helmet hits 10 years, it is now too old and, you know, technology is constantly evolving. Uh, and, and that's not with just helmets. That's just in general in the world in the, in the landscape we live in today. I mean, technology is constantly evolving. We're constantly making things bigger, better, more efficient and things like that. And, uh, so these helmets as a result are changing as well. And so, Antonio Brown's helmet is no longer able to be used. And uh, and this is such a prominent policy that I'm kind of surprised that players um, are surprised by um, this, this rule and, and surprised by the fact that their helmet is now being discontinued. Um, I believe Tom Brady's helmet was just discontinued. He's getting adjusted to a new helmet. Um, he doesn't like his that much. He, he's not falling in love with it, but I mean, that is the rule. Um, Antonio Brown's is kind of, um, like it just, he, he's just doing one of his common, his common breakouts. It's just his, his mantra. It seems like, um, now there's a lot of reasons why a player may want to wear a particular helmet. Uh, number one, if you've been wearing one for a very long time, which Antonio Brown, he's been in the league a while and he's been wearing the same helmet. Of course, it's going to be comfortable. It's going to, it's going to feel secure on your head. It's not going to feel super tight, super loose, whatever. Um, so the comfort 
um, is obviously, I think, the biggest reason why players wouldn't want to switch helmets. But a lot of players love certain helmets for the aesthetic. I know when I play video games, I play Madden, or if you're familiar with NCAA college football, where you play Road to Glory and you you make your own player, um, I pick the the coolest, the, like the helmet with the coolest coolest design, the coolest face mask, and um, just the aesthetic of it. That's what I like to do because obviously I'm playing a video game. I'm not actually playing football. Um, so I, I think comfort um, and the feeling of it combined with the aesthetics, uh, those are two um, two reasons in my mind why players wouldn't want to shift to a different helmet. Um, now, Antonio Brown... Antonio Brown's situation isn't necessarily to do with comfort or fit or aesthetic. Um, he just thinks that this new helmet, this new design, um, it kind of interferes with his vision um, when he's catching a football, um, when he's running his routes, kind of feels like the brow of it, uh, just kind of blocks his view and just doesn't like it that much. And he's, so he actually filed a grievance with the NFL um, I believe he had a two hour conference call pleading his case to wear that old helmet. And that's just simply not gonna, not gonna work out just because of the rules that the NFL has in place with the safety of the players in these helmets. Um, and Tony Brown threatened to retire because of this, um, and told the Oakland Raiders this, and that's just so extreme. I think even by Antonio Brown standards, that's really extreme. It's one thing to threaten to retire if you're traded to a particular team like he did with the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills reportedly traded for him. And then he said he wasn't going to go there. He wasn't going to play uh, if he went there. And so that deal kind of fell apart. That's one thing. Although I don't like that, that's one thing. But to retire because of an equipment issue, um, I just don't think that makes any sense. And I don't know how you explain it. Um, that's, that's a pretty extreme reaction to me. Um, now the NFL is not going to wear, let Antonio Brown wear this new helmet or this, his older helmet, because obviously it's the rule they have in place, but you know, it, if he were to get injured this year, get a concussion, some kind of head injury, neck, whatever, um, the blame would be put on the NFL, him wearing his old helmet, a one that was meant to be um, banned and meant to be discontinued. Um, and so if a player decides to wear a helmet that is banned by the NFL, I'm sure they're going to be disciplined. Um, now, yeah, I just... I don't know, but I believe Tom Brady though was, I don't think Tom Brady's was, um, discontinued this season. I think it was coming up to be discontinued. Um, I think he was able to wear it for one more year. Um, but I think this is just me speculating and just kind of guessing here. I'm guessing that if he's planning on playing a couple more seasons, he's probably, going to switch to a new helmet now to get used to it. So by the time he is forced to wear a new uh, new design and a new model, um, he's used to it a little bit, um, which makes makes sense. 
Um, but for Antonio Brown to kind of have this extreme reaction over a helmet, which he knew was going to be discontinued soon, um, in a way it doesn't surprise me, but I think threatening to retire is a little much. Um, and his grievance, it obviously failed. Uh, NFL wasn't going to listen. And so I'm sure that Antonio Brown's going to, he'll eventually just come down to earth and he'll return to the Raiders eventually. And, They'll move on from it, but um, I want to move on now, shift gears to uh, Dak Prescott. I said in the last episode that Dak Prescott is certainly worthy of an extension in the $30 million range, not necessarily because of his talent, um, arm strength, mobility, anything like that, accuracy, um, but he's extremely smart. And a great leader. And he wins football games. He's got the second highest winning percentage since 2016 behind Tom Brady. That's higher than every other quarterback. And to me, you have to pay a quarterback because of that. If he's winning football games for you, regardless of how talented the team is around him, um, the quarterback's position is the most important position on the field. And if you've got a guy that can play, you can't not pay him and just let him walk out the door. It is so difficult to find guys in the draft, even in the first round. You just never know who's going to be a bust and who won't be. You got to pay the man. Now, Dak Prescott, on the other hand, he obviously feels like he's worth more than $30 million because Carson Wentz got $32 million from the Eagles, and he feels like he's better than Carson Wentz. He's certainly put together better seasons, not necessarily statistically, but just win percentage-wise two division crowns in three years. Um, certainly a lot more durable is available more often than Carson Wentz is. He feels like he's the better player, but I think Dak Prescott is betting on himself in the last year of his contract this year. I think he's going to pass on all these deals that he's getting offered by the Cowboys this off season, heading into the season, unless he gets one that's $32 million or more. I think he's going to pass on any other offer, and he's got to bet on himself this season and try and get, try and earn his money uh, and get what he wants. Um, if you remember, Joe Flacco did a similar, did a similar thing years ago. Of course, when he was in his prime, and the Ravens were a well-structured team had a great defense, and Joe Flacco won that Super Bowl. But the year prior, Joe Flacco was heading into a contract year, bet on himself. They ended up winning a Super Bowl, and he got that that big contract that he wanted. But you got to take into account that Joe Flacco had uh, much less competition in the AFC compared to the NFC. If you looked at in the AFC at, at the time, you're going up against Tom Brady, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, you know, Philip Rivers to a degree. Philip Rivers was is was really good then. He's still really good. Um, and then an older Peyton Manning. Um, so really, you're just going through four quarterbacks in the AFC. Um, one in your own division, but there's just far less competition. Um, and so he didn't just he didn't have as many roadblocks going into the playoffs. Um, plus, he had a great defense behind him. He wasn't a stat stuffer. Very similar to Dak and as far as 
statistical, um, statistic wise, I guess. Um, just not a stat stuffer, more of a just really, really smart, mature quarterback that gets the job done and wins football games. Um, and it's very much like Dak. But if you look at Dak's situation, Dak is in the NFC. Um, now, if you if Dak was in the AFC, it would still almost be a problem, but it would be less of a problem. But if you're just looking at the NFC, I mean, there's like eight or nine really talented, really good quarterbacks that um, not and that are all playoff caliber, but not all of them will make the playoffs. I mean, you've got Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, uh, Jared Goff, Cam Newton. Um, Kirk Cousins is solid. I mean, there's so many guys, so much more talent. Uh, Carson Wentz is another guy that I didn't even, I, I forgot to mention. Like, there's just so much talent quarterback wise in the NFC. Um, and not all of those guys are going to make the playoffs. Um, at least two or three, th- two or three of those guys that I mentioned are not going to make the playoffs. Um, and so Dak Prescott is right in the thick of that. And to bet on yourself in that situation, uh, it's tough. Now, I know, I think the Cowboys have one of the best rosters going into the this NFL season. I think it's the Chargers, um, the Cowboys, the Eagles, um, and probably the Rams, um, who have the best rosters in the NFL going into this season. Um, And so that obviously helps when you have a great team around you. But when you just look at the other quarterback talent and what you have to go through, um, I know Dak Prescott wins a lot of games. His team wins a lot of games. uh, But I I don't know. It's just going to be tough because with how good these NFC teams are, they may only be a wild card team at best. they may win their division, but they may only be a wild card team, and they they may win a wild card game, but they may not get further than that. Um, and the Eagles are going to be better this year. Carson Wentz stays healthy; they're going to be formidable. And the Eagles have proven before, albeit without Carson Wentz, they've proven that they can um, make deep playoff runs. I don't know. It's just it's just really tough, and I just don't know if this is the right move for Dak Prescott to bet on himself, knowing he's not a statistical beast, he's not a stat stuffer, he's not a Patrick Mahomes, 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, MVP. He's not that guy. So Dak Prescott can't look at Jerry Jones and say, hey, I've got the best QBR, I throw 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, uh, the least interceptions, so on and so forth. He can't look at Jerry and say that. He can look at Jerry and say, I've won two division crowns in three years. I've had three straight winning seasons. I've won a playoff game. I was really close to winning another. That's really nice and all, but I don't know if right now that's enough to get the money he wants. Now, if he goes out next year and he bets on himself and they win the division and they win a couple playoffs game playoff games, get to the NFC Championship, then Dak Prescott is certainly going to get the number he wants. But if anything short of an NFC championship next year, I don't think Dak is going to get the money he wants. And he may have to settle for 
$30 million. It's crazy that I have to say settle for $30 million. He's either going to have to settle for $30 million or see if another team out there who needs a quarterback is willing to pay more, um, which I don't think is the case. Uh, I just don't know if betting on yourself is the right move. I know he's a winning quarterback. He he wins almost as much as Tom Brady does um, regular season-wise, but I'm not sure if it's the right move just because of how tight the competition is in, in the NFC. We'll see how it shakes out. Um, but I want to move on now to some breakout players that I think are going to have phenomenal years um, heading into um, next season. And not all of these, none of these guys are rookies. Um, all, all of these guys are, you know, second, third year players um, who really haven't had um, their opportunity to, to shine, opportunity to shine yet whether it be because of just people higher up in the depth chart, not getting as many touches, um, whatever it may be. Um, but I, these five players, I absolutely believe, are uh, breakout candidates this year. Um, and a couple may be a surprise to you, but I feel really strongly about them. I'll start from number five. Number five for me is DJ Moore a wide receiver from the Carolina Panthers going into his sophomore season. Um, he was the first receiver taken in the 2018 draft uh, above Calvin Ridley and, and others. Um, he finished the season last year with 960 receiving yards, um, which to me is actually kind of surprising and kind of baffling because he didn't get that many touches. He only had, uh, he had less than 70 touches, I believe 68 touches Um all year last year. And so to have 960 yards um, is pretty impressive given the amount of touches. Um, plus, you know, the Panthers offense kind of sputtered, started and stopped periodically throughout the year. Cam Newton was dealing with some shoulder issues that he's still recovering from. Um, but this guy's got excellent hands. DJ Moore's got great hands. Um, he only had one drop on 82 targets, which is, uh, pretty good um, for receivers to only have one drop on that many targets. He averaged uh, seven and a half yards a catch, almost eight yards a catch. Um, and the big thing for him is that Devin Funches, who was the number one receiver last year for the Panthers, he's gone. He went to Indy. So he's going to be the number one guy. He's going to be getting all the touches through the air. And I think that really makes him a breakout candidate if Cam Newton's healthy uh, for next year. Um, now number four on my list for breakout candidates, candidates this year is Damian Williams, the running back from the Kansas city chiefs. Um, now he's been in the league a couple of years. Uh, he's still a younger back. I believe he's 26, 20, 26 or 27 years old. Um, and he took the starting role last year. Um, after the situation with Kareem hunt, um, they brought in Carlos Hyde a little bit. The Chiefs did, um, but Damian Williams, uh, Damian Williams, is going to be the lead back. He's in that role now. Last year, he scored uh, ten touchdowns in in the final six games of the year, including the playoffs. So, uh, scoring more than a touchdown a game, and he's 
firmly entrenched as the starter for next for next season. Um, now, I don't think the Chiefs' offense is going to be as good next year, just because um, I, th- I think Patrick Mahomes is going to take a step back with that Madden curse. He's not going to throw five thousand yards and have fifty touchdowns. Um, Tyreek Hill is going to be there, um, but you know that there's that suspension possibly lurking because that situation has been around him. Although they said they weren't going to suspend him, you never know. Um, I just don't think the Chiefs' offense is going to be as good next year. It's still going to be pretty close to electric. Um, but like they were just historic last year, and it's going to be extremely difficult for them to top the year they had last year. Um, and like it's just going to be extremely difficult to do that. But I still think Damian Williams giving him a full year uh, worth uh, worth of starting touches. Uh, he's he's going to break out ten touchdowns in his final six games last year, including the playoffs. He was a, a stud last year, and I think he's going to be even better this year. And I think he's going to he's going to be a, a good uh, fantasy football target uh, in your drafts, which is going to be coming up here soon. Uh, number three for me. On my list, I feel very strongly about this one. Uh, James Washington, wide receiver from uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Antonio Brown is gone. He was traded to Oakland, as we all know. Um, So all of that production and all of those looks are going to be thrown towards Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to get most of the targets, most of the throws. Um, but he's also going to get most of the double teams next year. Um, and as pass heavy as the Pittsburgh Steelers are, they, I believe last year they passed on a little under 70% of their offensive plays. I believe it was 67% of their plays. Um, they threw the football, um, and big Ben loves to throw the deep ball. James Washington is an excellent deep route runner. Uh, I think it, I think James Washington is going to thrive next year, and he's going to almost be the next Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, kind of like last year, how A.B. was Batman and Juju was Robin. It's going to be Juju's Batman this year. Um, and then James Washington is going to be Robin. I still think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to have a phenomenal year. Probably he's going to have 1,500 receiving yards or more. Um, he would be, if I have a late round uh, pick, uh, in fantasy football, like say it's a twelve-team league, and I have anywhere from seven through twelve, I'm taking it. I'm taking Juju Smith-Schuster, um, just because I think he's going to have a heck of a year. But I think James Washington is a heck of a sleeper, heck of a breakout candidate, and I look for him to have a a huge year and make a huge splash for the Pittsburgh Steelers next year. He is number three on my top five breakout players list. Number two on my breakout players list is Jimmy Garoppolo of the San Francisco 49ers. Um, A lot of people may think, ah, he's overhyped. He hasn't really been that good. Well, just think about this for a second. When he was traded from the Patriots to the 49ers two years ago, um, he didn't play all that many games. I believe he only played the final five games of the season. Um, and he, for the record, he was five and zero in those games, and beat 
what was the number one defense in the league at the time, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, albeit they were leading their division. They weren't really playing for much anyways. They had their division locked up by the end of the year. But that's besides the point. He still beat them, put up a lot of points on them, and made it rain. Um, but also, last year, he was injured. Towards ACL within the first couple weeks of the season, and he, he was done. Now, if you look at this year, if you look at all the weapons he has around him, he's got George Kittle, the tight end from Iowa, who you could argue is the best tight end in football. I would put him second right behind Travis Kelsey. Um, you've got him, who is an excellent vertical route running tight end. Um, they brought in Tevin Coleman from the 49er or from the Falcons to be their lead back. They're also going to get Jarek McKinnon back, so they're going to have a nice one-two punch there. And then if you look at receiver, Marquise Goodwin, uh, they brought in Dante Pettis. Um, th- those two are really solid, and I think Dante Pettis is going to have a heck of a year. He's a, v- a very speedy receiver, can just absolute fly down the field, up the seams, and I think that's going to be a heck of a connection this year, Garoppolo and Dante Pettis. And uh, they also brought in Jalen Hurd, um, who's a young receiver they drafted, and I like him as well. They've got some really nice young weapons. They have a solid offensive line. Uh, nice one-two punch with running backs. I think the 49ers are a breakout team in general, but Jimmy Garoppolo I think is going to pop this year. He's finally going to live up to that kind of hype that he had surrounding him before he was traded to the 49ers. Um, everyone thought he was the heir to Tom Brady um, and the next Tom Brady. And so now he's got to go out and prove it this year. And I think he absolutely will. And I think the 49ers are a potential playoff team this year. And he's another guy that's kind of going back to Dak. He's another guy that's a threat to Dak this year as far as competition. So yeah, I, I just think Jimmy Garoppolo is a, a heck of a breakout candidate this year, and he's going to prove um, that he was worth that big five-year contract that the 49ers gave him um, before last season. And then number one on my breakout candidates list, Baker Baker, touchdown maker, Baker Mayfield. Um, going into his second season, and if you remember... Last year, he didn't start the season with the the Cleveland Browns. Tyrod Taylor started. Everyone thought Tyrod Taylor was the better option to start, have Baker Mayfield just kind of sit behind him and learn. Um, But that didn't really work out. They fired their coach, um, fired Hugh Jackson, fired Todd Haley, brought in Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens kind of restructured the offense, built it around Baker Mayfield, and... Uh, and Baker Mayfield kind of flourished by the end of the year. Um, and after Kitchens took over, um, by season's end, Baker was uh, 10th in the NFL in completion percentage. Um, and he was one of the better quarterbacks in fantasy football by the end of the year. Um, he was 5th in air yards per attempt. Um, and so he really turned it on at the end of the year with that restructured offense. And now if you look at this year, bringing back the same coach with that same offense and a fully loaded roster. Uh, You've got Nick Chubb running the football. They did trade Duke Johnson, which I don't love because he was a great receiving back, but they'll be fine. They still got Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt is going to be joining them eight games into the season. Um, 
And so they're going to get a weapon later on. But as far as the receiving core and the offensive weapons on the outside, uh, Jarvis Juice Landry, uh, Antonio Callaway, although Antonio Callaway is going to be suspended for the first couple year, uh, games of the year for um, violating the league substance abuse policy. Um, and then you have Odell Beckham Jr., who they just traded for. Um, and then David Njoku, who I think is a special young tight end. I mean, there is just so much there. Uh, and I think that makes them not only a, a very fantasy friendly offense, uh, but just, they're just going to be so explosive this year and I'm looking forward to it. And I think they're going to have a big year, go 10 and six, make the playoffs. Um, maybe not make a deep playoff run, but just completely change the narr- narrative around Cleveland football. Um, and finally make them an exciting and contending team again. Baker Mayfield, I think is going to light the world on fire. Um, and potentially could be an MVP this year. That's how strongly I feel about Baker Mayfield being uh, a breakout candidate. He is number one on my breakout candidates list this season. Lastly, to close out the show, I want to do some record predictions. We're going to do the AFC East today. Um, and we're kind of getting close to football season. So over the next couple episodes, I may lump um, a couple divisions together just to get through it before the season actually starts. Um, But we're going to do just the AFC East today with the New England Patriots, Miami Dolphins, Buffalo Bills, and the New York Jets. Um, I want to start with the New England Patriots. Um, They've dominated the division over the last decade, 15 years, 20 years. Um, They've been extremely good, and I don't expect that to change this year. now, they always start out the year a little bit slower, um, so I, I could see them starting off the year you know, around 500, maybe 2-2, two and two, something like that. I think they will lose to the Steelers week one, could lose to the Dolphins week two, um, but then after that, they'll have a, a softer schedule. They'll have um, the Jets, the Bills, the Redskins, the Giants, the Jets again, um, so they could very easily be 5-2 and two, um, through the first seven games. Then you hit the Browns. I think they can beat the Browns um, in that high-powered offense. Um, but really, right in the middle of the season is where their schedule gets really tough because they'll have the Browns, the Ravens, the Eagles, the Cowboys, um, the Texans, the Chiefs. That's a that's a five- or six-game stretch that's really tough. Um, I think they beat uh, most of these teams. I think they beat the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Texans. They'll, they may lose to the Chiefs. Um, so that's just a really tough stretch though. Um, and then they'll close out the year softer again with the Bengals, Bills, and Dolphins. Um, close it out. Those, the last two weeks will be in the division. So they'll close it out kind of softer. I think they go 12 and four, um, just based on their schedule, maybe 11 and five. Um, because I could see them very easily losing a couple of these games here in the middle against the Eagles, Ravens, Browns, Cowboys, Texans. They could lose a couple of those. Um, but I think I think I'm going to go 11 and five with this squad, just because of how tough that schedule is in the middle. But they'll certainly win their division, be one of the top teams in the AFC. Uh, the Miami Dolphins. Um, now they're going to be getting a new quarterback. Josh Rosen is 
going to be their starter this year, presumably, unless Ryan Fitzpatrick somehow takes the job, which would be inexcusable. Um, but they're just not that great of a team. They don't have a great offense. Um, you know, they lost Jarvis Landry last year, so they just they just don't have a lot offensively. Defensively in the secondary, they're pretty solid, but, you know, they're playing the Ravens, Patriots, Cowboys, Chargers through the first four weeks. That's easily 0-4, uh, maybe 1-3, um, because I think they can beat the Patriots because the Patriots always start off slow, like I said. So 1-3 right there. Um, they've got the Steelers later on, the Jets, Colts. Their schedule is just really tough. They've got the Browns, the Eagles. Um, It just doesn't look great for them, and I could easily see them being the worst team in the AFC East. I've got them at 4-12. and Um, Their schedule is just really tough, especially early on in the year and near the middle, and they just never really catch a break. And I think it's going to be a developmental year for Josh Rosen. Um and he's going to have to prove to the Dolphins that he's a franchise quarterback. Otherwise, they'll tank, they'll hit the tank, and they'll go after Tua in next year's draft. But I've got them at 4-12, and likely last place in the AFC East. Um, if we look at the Buffalo Bills, um, once again, they're, they're a team with a second-year quarterback that I think is going to need some time um, to just continue to develop. Um and they've kind of got a, a tougher schedule as well. A little softer to open up. Um, they could easily start off the season 3-0. and um, They've got the Jets, Giants, and Bills. Um, then they play the Patriots, Titans. They've got the Eagles as well, the Browns. Um, but I, easily they could have a, a pretty solid start. I think they can go 2-1, and one, um, losing to the Jets. Then they'll lose to the Patriots. That'll be 2-2. Two and two. They'll lose to the Titans. That'll be two and three. Uh, they'll be two and five after they finish the Eagles game. Then they'll lose to the Browns. They've got the Cowboys in there as well, the Steelers. It's it's a pretty tough schedule throughout. Um, I think they're going to be a little bit better than the Dolphins, though. It's going to be kind of another step forward, and uh, hopefully in the right direction for the Buffalo Bills. I have them at five and 11. Right above the Dolphins, um, I think I think Josh Allen's going to get better, uh, and he needs to as a thrower. He showed that he's got some legs last year, but he needs to just develop as a as an accurate passer. He's got the arm; we just need to see the accuracy. Um, he'll get better. They've, he added a reliable target in Cole Beasley, so they'll get better. But they're just they're going to need some time. Um, and then lastly, the New York Jets. Um, Sam Darnold, he's another breakout candidate that I didn't mention could easily be on my list, um, but I just didn't have him on there, but I think the jets are going to make a huge stride this year and possibly be a 500 team. Um, they're starting off the year pretty strong. Um, the four of their first five games, maybe five of their first six, they could easily lose. Um, they've got. Uh, the Bills week one, they'll win that game. Um, then the Browns, Patriots, Eagles, Cowboys, Patriots. Um, that's that's easily uh, five straight losses. And uh, uh, that'll have them at one and five. Then they'll 
hit a little soft spot. They'll have the Jags, Dolphins, uh, Giants, Redskins, Raiders, Bengals, Dolphins. They could easily win all of those games um, and put themselves right at 7-5. and Um, Then lose to the Ravens and the Steelers. That'll put them at 7 and did I say seven and five? Regardless, that'll even them back up r- around roughly. Um, and then they'll get a win last game of the year against the Bills, and that'll put them at eight and eight. I think they're going to be a 500 team. Le'Veon Bell is going to be great. He's going to get a lot of touches and going to really help Sam Darnold out in his development. Um, they've got an improved defense as well. I like the Jets in eight and eight, making a huge stride, and they look like the team that will eventually take the reins in the AFC East once Tom Brady retires. So we've got the Patriots winning the division at eleven and five. The Jets right behind, well, not right behind, but they're behind at eight and eight, and then the Bills and the Dolphins five and eleven, four and twelve to round out the AFC East. But that's it for today's episode, guys. Thank you for listening. Make sure you share this episode with your friends, parents, enemies, coworkers, classmates, because we know school's starting back up. Yay, I guess. Don't really want to go back, but um, getting back to the grind. So uh, make sure you follow my show on Twitter at The Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and iTunes and on SoundCloud. You can like and comment. Follow me on there as well. Um, also, check out my Facebook page. Uh, the Will Ford Show, and also check me out on YouTube as well, where I post segments of every episode on YouTube, so you can catch a little bit of video content as well. And I'll also be posting, tweeting out these uh, these record predictions. So uh, check me out on social media, and we'll see you in episode eighty coming up. It's WFS.